Open Mind GFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas. I am joining you from my deathbed. Just kidding. And I am here with Martin Heebie-Jeebie Willis. Yeah. So I'm the real Heebie-Jeebie, I guess. Uh, wow. I guess. And from what you told me earlier, that's a bad thing. So earlier, for the listeners, you know, Martin said, I heard you had the Heebie-Jeebies. I'm not sure where he heard that. He can let us know. But I told him, no, it was actually the flu, because I, I don't know that the heebie-jeebies, it's a real thing. Besides you, you're a real thing. Well, you know, I think the heebie-jeebies is, um, is I, th- I thought it was like um, something, you know, microscopic. Like you, mm. you got the heebie-jeebies, and so you got it, came down with the flu. It could be. Know. There could be some quantum level, the quantum heebie-jeebie that manipulates uh, your... Uh, cells in your body creating viruses just like a little bastard that's and what they're doing yeah wow. so that could yeah. be yeah. The, the whole root of sickness so if you can you know do quantum surgery because it's fun to use the term quantum and stuff that you don't know what it is so just say it's quantum you know yeah that's there's nobody true. can prove you otherwise so they, they can't see it they can't prove it yeah so you could be onto something what do i know that's right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Either way, it was cute. It was a cute little heebie-jeebie thing you were doing there. <laughs> All right. Who, hey, who's your guest today? Hey, great question. My guest today is uh, Cheryl Costa. So, oh, right. Yeah, yep, she's from got New a, York. Yeah, from yeah. New York. So she's got a new uh, book out. Of course, we're posting in our headlines one of her stories at least a week because she writes for the Syracuse New Times about UFOs. So those of you who have been following her uh, postings are aware that she came out with a new book, and it's called The UFO Sightings Desk Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2015. That may sound extremely boring, and and if you look at the cover, it's black and white. Uh, uh, looks like a drawing, an old drawing of a UFO, and I'm sure that may appear as boring to some. But to weirdos, UFO data weirdos like me, there's not much more exciting. I mean, so she's going over the numbers, and I'm a numbers guy. Maybe it comes from my background in the corporate world where it's numbers, numbers, numbers. And I like numbers because even in today's world, you know, when I'm doing the website and just so open minds and the Congress can exist, you know, we've got to follow the numbers uh, Mm. and what's going on with all the numbers everywhere. So I love numbers, and I love UFO numbers. So I'm very excited about her book, talking about sightings. You know, all around the United States from 2001 to 20, 2015, um, what sightings, where, when, that sort of stuff. So, wow. Mm-hmm. 
That sounds like it would take a lot of research to do something like that. <coughs> exactly. And um, wait a minute, was that just a? Did I just hear a heebie-jeebie call? Yeah, you know, I didn't. We didn't wow. even finish our heebie-jeebie conversation. But uh, to talk about it, if that's what we'll be talking about, how long it took her to put together all of this data and some of the exciting data she's found. And uh, there's been a ton of news stories about her book, in particular. Um, it's uh, about California. I don't know. We, I think we've talked about this uh, in the headlines. You can find a bunch of stories about uh, her uh, having California at the top of uh, UFO sightings, and we talk about that in detail uh, in our interview here. Yeah. Well, you know, it is the number one state for sure for sightings, uh, according to where, her information. Yeah, uh, where I had my sighting too. Where you had your sighting. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's very. I think some people suspect that Californians are, uh, at least in part, extraterrestrial. <laughs> I could, uh, having living, having lived there for a total of about uh, ten years or so, uh, nine years one time, one year another time. Um, I suspected that all along. Actually. Really. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I would much prefer to be around extraterrestrials than, dare I say, I'm going there, than uh, the people uh, in Arizona. There are is a large amount of people of a particular political persuasion that is not my own, and I'd rather be with the aliens. But uh, anyway, okay, you went there. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's what we'll be talking about in just a minute. Before that, uh, I just wanted to say uh, I'm not going to apologize for having the heebie-jeebies, as Martin would put it. Um, but I did have a flu last week, and I so I was out, and, and I have not been hit with a flu, um, a full-on flu, for probably decades. And, wow. yeah, for a very long time. Now, I got I felt something coming on that was probably the flu. Uh, in the past, in fact, once a year, maybe I feel that way, and I'll usually rest, and usually an evening of resting or maybe even a day of resting gets rid of it, and that's the most I've had it, so I haven't had it full on, um, but yeah, I got it full on, and it, it might be that I, I'm thinking I need to get the shot, because I hear that even if you catch the flu, if you get the flu shot, it's less severe, so um, yeah, maybe I'm just mm. getting old enough where... You know, the heebie-jeebies are, are um, just able to get past my defenses. That's what it is. They're my, my aging defenses. That's right. They're, they quantumly sneak past. Oh, that's right. They got that quantum yeah. crap. Those little sons of... So, uh, so I, but I'm, luckily I'm back, and we've got a show right when I'm back. So people ought to be happy. So, you know, but, you know, what right. can you do? But uh, beyond that, uh, I'm going to mute when I have to cough here, but... Uh, I guess let's talk some UFO news. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of California, well, I think I'm going to talk about this one here. And this was uh, back in, uh, I think it was uh, February 9th, 2017. Mm -hmm. And this is over Eureka, uh, California, which is mm -hmm. Humboldt County, which was home of the marijuana growers from way back when. I'm not sure if that's really? still going on up there. Is that yeah, where that's you? I remember about that's it. where you used to get your stuff back there. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I never partaked. I Good. only, partaked. I never inhaled. 
Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Because then you're Anyways, good. Yeah. So a rectangular shaped UFO uh, flew over this town, according to this Eureka witness. He heard a loud uh, jet like sound and, um, you know, which made him come outside and he looked up and uh, he saw this it, like a square type uh, rectangular uh, UFO with a bunch of lights on it. And uh, he did some sketches. It kind of looks like Swiss cheese or something. But uh, you can see the sketches that he did um, on on the uh, article. And so um, he couldn't figure out what this thing was. Um, and he thought at first it was a, like a huge uh, military cargo jet or something. But it, it just couldn't be, you know, from what uh, he is describing. And uh, he said to his wife, what is that? And she looked to um, and, uh, you know, he told her to go hurry and grab her binoculars. And, uh, and then this thing, it started speeding up, I guess, and it looked further away. And he says it was very large and square and possibly the shape of a home plate object. I wouldn't really call that square or rectangular. Isn't a home plate yeah. like a diamond shape? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. we're talking almost maybe, do we dare say another uh, triangle UFO, perhaps. Although oh, his pictures are square. They are. Maybe he doesn't really know what a home plate looks like. Yeah, it could be that uh, geometry is not his strong suit. Yeah. Well, I, I bunked flyology, too. So mm -hmm. I'm sure yeah. you did. Well, anyway, so the lights, he thought um, they were uh, sort of where the tail of a plane would be. Uh, you know, it's not really making sense, his uh, report totally, because, uh, you know, the, if this thing was square, I don't know why he think it would look like a plane or mm -hmm. maybe a baseball uh, diamond or whatever. But anyway, he saw something and uh, he reported it um, and to MUFON. And uh, we don't have a case number. This was posted by uh, Roger Marsh on your website. Eureka is actually a really beautiful area in California. Mm -hmm. It's it's really nice. It's pretty far north of San Francisco, but it's really a beautiful area. I'm pretty and sure. I'm, uh -huh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Really, I, I just think, um, again, I understand why there's a lot of sightings in California because there's so many days of beautiful blue skies without any clouds. Um, so I get it why, why it happens there, all the sightings. Yeah, and that's, that's really all I got. I was going to say that's where the the Bigfoot sightings first got popularized. Like the uh, right, the Betty yeah. Hill and Barney Cash of Bigfoot happened in Eureka. Where was it? Yeah, did you know that? No. Yeah. Wow. So like there was this. I think they were, uh, if I remember correctly, they were uh, lumberjacks. And they were out there, and their their stuff was being thrown around, their equipment broken, and stuff like that. And they found a, a print, and uh, the, of what they they coined Bigfoot. And you know, they showed the news, and it's a famous picture of the guy holding up the the and the Humboldt County Times, I think the paper is. Wow, I can't believe I can remember all this stuff. And he's holding up the print of the Bigfoot, the cast of the foot, and uh, that made Bigfoot famous. All started Was this out uh, prior to the uh, Patterson? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Wow. How prior about that? To, I never knew that. Prior to Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you huh. have to look that up. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of Bigfoot history there, too. You know what else is really exciting news? 
What's that? Was that the open minds, uh, and they don't like it when you call them the open minds, but uh, that open minds website posted an exclusive video of Fife Symington. Did you watch that? I did watch that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, you know, I first saw this this video of Five Symington. So I should tell people what it is. Essentially, James Fox is the guy. Well, you guys have heard. You guys heard me interview, hopefully, years ago, James Fox about all of this. But James Fox, the guy who does documentaries, um, uh, he did. I know what I saw. Um, and out of the out blue. blue, some of the best UFO documentaries. Well, when mm-hmm. he was doing the Phoenix Lights, he interviewed Five Symington and some of the Phoenix Lights witnesses. Symington, um, uh, he then played, you know, the witnesses or Symington some audio of one of the witnesses, and Symington said, "Well, you know, I, I saw that thing too, and it was huge." And he had a lot of really interesting things to say. Well, we've seen, we've heard about this. We've seen clips of his of him saying he saw this but now you get to see james fox's entire interview so you get to see that's what we posted james fox used this video in his lecture at the ufo congress this last year and he also provided it to us um to post online so people can see the whole thing and so you see it starts off with um symington listening to the witnesses that and James Fox is playing a tape of the witnesses saying, you know, we felt really crappy when you made fun of us and that wasn't mm-hmm. cool, dude. And you see it. He even seems to get emotional. Uh, did you see that? I, I feel yeah, like I did see it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really something. Yeah. And then he says, I saw it, too. And then he goes on to say some other things like the Pentagon knew. And he thinks that, you know, he was in the Air Force and this sort of thing happened and they were supposed to um, report these sort of things. And um he says some really interesting things, I think, in that video. I do, too. You know, um, I when I had um, – I'm trying to think who it was on my show. Um, the woman, you actually said she was a wonderful person, the one that was involved in Apollo. Oh, Francis Barwood. Thank you. Yes. God, I lost her name. When I had her on, um, you know, there were people in my chat room that were bashing uh, Fife Symington, you know, by this, uh, you know, uh, saying he was a felon and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I thought it was crazy, you know, and then so I had uh, one of the people in the chat room, I had them forward me whatever information that they were, you know, coming up with and nothing. There was, you know, there was some type of thing where he, uh, I guess, was filling out some paperwork for something and and didn't disclose something and he had they kind of held something over him so uh there's francis thought there was possibly something going on with that why he did that whole thing as far as the alien coming out with him and saying you guys are taking this far too serious you know that type of thing they think that he had pressure against him because of that situation and why he did that it'd be interesting to know if he ever talks about that he has talked to people about that and said, no, that's not the case. Um, and not publicly, though. This is from what I understand. Um, mm, I see. Of people who have asked him this, uh, uh, same thing in the background. Um, no, I think that the real answer to me um, makes sense in that he just wanted. And I think that's at the heart of this whole thing, kind of like what. 
um, John Alexander talks about is he just didn't want any part of it. He wanted people to shut up so they could get back to business and doing their regular job. And he's like, you know, I, how can I stop this whole thing and let's just move on? Uh, so I keep getting quit getting these stupid UFO questions and we can move back just to regular business and, and get back to things. So, you know, that's what he said. He just wanted to to um, kind of disarm the whole thing to uh, cool, like he says, to have everybody chill out and uh, move on. And so he made fun of it. Um, and when it comes to something that is where you just don't know what the hell it is, but you're the person who's supposed to come up with an answer, you know, I could see how people would be motivated by, I don't know what it is. Um, these things are stupid, so let's just move on. Uh, and I, that's it. It seems like an attitude a lot of people have, even in the Air Force, and certainly people I've talked to where it, they're like, I don't want to be associated with UFOs, so I'm not going to report this, or mm. uh, I am going to report it. Charles Halt talks about this, where he just, you know, filled out the report, let's move on. Let's, right. We don't know what it is, yeah. let's just move on with our lives. So I think people, a lot of people have that feeling um, in government, and uh, so I don't know, that's what he says. He says he certainly, it didn't have to do with the pressure that he had felt, because he had some legal issues. Um, like all politicians, yeah, but right. I don't know. Um, as far as the people hating, it's just you know every little people just love to hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do see that. Unfortunately, you do see that a lot online. Yep, but it yeah. does sound like he didn't get any support, so that probably had to make things even more difficult for him. In that, if he really was looking for answers. And no one was helping him. And that's essentially what happened to Frances. She was looking for answers, and mm -hmm. no one, including Simington's office, would help her. Amazing, isn't it? It is. And just to remind people, Frances Barward is a Phoenix City councilwoman. Uh, she was a councilwoman at the time. She heard about the signing a couple days after when a news reporter said, Hey, don't you have anything to say about this whole UFO situation? <coughs> And and she's like, what are you talking about? What UFO situation? And then she started to make inquiries, spoke to something like 700 plus witnesses, and uh, um, she, which is a credit to her. She's just a great person. And I interviewed her years ago. We had her at the UFO Congress also, and you can see her video on our on-demand section. Um, and I really highly, highly recommend everybody look at it because uh, – She's, yeah. she's, I think, one of the greatest stories in the whole Phoenix Lights. And they can go listen to your recent interview with her. Yes, I I had so much positive feedback from mm -hmm. listeners after I interviewed her. And I interviewed a few other people that same show. And uh, everyone said, oh, why didn't you just keep on with her? She was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, real nice lady. And, uh, yeah, uh, full of integrity, too. Yeah, she's great. So and she always sends these really nice notes. Uh, yeah, she hasn't been able to make make the conference the last couple of years uh, health issues. Even though she doesn't live too far away, she's in Sedona, I believe, beautiful area out here. Mm -hmm. And wow. uh, so she'll send a note. I hope you had, guys had a great conference. Sorry I couldn't make it. And uh, yeah, she's a wonderful person. Yes, absolutely. All right. So any more news, my friend? 
Not that I can think of. No one's landed on the White House lawn yet. No? Oh. Okay, well, uh, yeah, we can going on. keep our fingers yeah. crossed um, <laughs> that uh, that happens. Although, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend they go there. Uh, yeah, me neither. Right Not now. So, yeah, so maybe uh, choose another location. They can come, you know, uh, they visit the park across the, the parking lot here. It's a beautiful park. It's a sunny day. That would be perfect. We would, at Open Minds, bring our cameras out and interview the aliens. So hopefully they come land there. They're going to have to be careful, though, because as we were starting the show, the one of the kids playing football came over and urinated. I don't think he knew that. All of us in the offices could see him, but he came over and urinated on this building <laughs> over in the park. So be careful of that. Um, yeah, and that'd be a perfect landing spot for him. So there's yeah. my invitation. There you go. Hopefully they'll hear it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Martin. You have a wonderful rest of your day. My pleasure, and thank you. I will. And let's go ahead and talk to Cheryl. I am very happy to welcome back to the show Cheryl Costa. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good. So, How's things in Arizona, sir? Oh, so far so good. Things are doing pretty well, especially when you're not sick. And this time of year, the weather out here is wonderful. So it's uh, it's nice to be able to get out there. I think the big problem is is you have a lot of what I call um, typhoid or flu marys that you know fly out there. They they're not feeling well, <laughs> and then they take it to everybody else. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My problem is I've got a spouse who works at a college library, and all these kids think oh, they're vulnerable, yeah. and mm-hmm. so she's bringing home something about every other week from the kids. You know. Mm-hmm. I hear you. So, and speaking of whom, uh, Linda uh, co-wrote the book with you. Yes. And I guess uh, getting down to it, we all know, at least uh, I've spoken about you, and I think the audience knows, and we've had you on the show before, right? I'm sure we've talked. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yeah, we talked last year. uh, So people are familiar with you and your work, uh, my listeners. Uh, So what role did Linda have in in the book? Well, two things. Uh, one, she's had uh, a ton of experience because she used to, we both lived in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and she worked for various scientific organizations. So we wanted to lay the book out like a scientific report. Uh-huh. Okay? That's why we got such a boring cover, because she wanted to lay it out like something <laughs> that might be on some congressman's desk, you know, from some, from some cabinet uh uh, organization that does scientific work, and that was her intent. In fact, if you go through the book right now, it looks like I, I got to send you one. I forgot about that. Um, if you go through the book, it looks like it was laid out by the Census Department, mm-hmm. and that's that's the context we wanted. And uh, so she was going to do. She did lay out. She acted as editor. Because, again, she has that uh, publishing background. But the other thing she did was she was also. She knew a lot of what I was, I was doing, all the compiling of all the state statistics. And every now and then she'd come over to me and say, did you happen to notice this weird pattern? And I had been so busy putting everything together, there were times I didn't see something really strange or really interesting, you know. And she pointed these things out to me. Plus, uh, uh, she helped 
write the the first five chapters. We have narrative in there before we get into the chap uh, get into the actual uh, statistics of each state. Which the average state has five. Uh, five pages. Uh, a couple of states like Texas and some of the really big ones that uh, they have a lot of counties have more. But that's pretty much the deal. It's a three hundred and uh, it's almost a three hundred and seventy page book with with everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems like you're very proud of this book. We are. Uh huh. And in your this is, mind, this, this amounts to this is something that you know a lot of people haven't figured out yet. What we have done for the first time ever is we have conducted a nationwide ufo census mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and and for instance i mean what is the significant significance of that well we can we can literally tell you uh we have a summary chapter it's got all the stats for all the states all kind of summed up into a couple of charts and a couple of tables in the front about four or five pages that's just for the united states and uh all 50 states and the district okay mm-hmm. we didn't do any territories we're going to save the territories for an international book we have in the in the works um the uh the the, the interesting thing is we took each state did its Master, it's full numbers. It's it's a uh, top ten counties, top ten shapes, uh, and we can literally drill down to the county level. Now, neither database, real uh, uh, New Fork or uh, Mufon, neither one of well, New Fork doesn't collect county data, and uh, Mufon does, but it's very highly dependent upon the person who's filling out the report. And you wouldn't believe how many people didn't know what county they were in. So uh, yeah, or left blank. So we just went ahead and went by, by the cities that we had, and uh, when we were uh, cleaning, doing what we call scrubbing of the databases, we went ahead and we had a master uh, city to county list, and we went ahead and inserted county data for everything. And uh, there's 327 counties in the United. Uh, I'm sorry, 3,027 counties in the United States. So this took a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of work. How long have you been working on this overall? Um, okay, the whole project took 16 months. Okay, uh, that's pretty good. It took good. me about 10 to 11 months to compile all the data. And then, uh, in fact, in the book, there's a, we, we instead of doing a, um, an introduction, we did an FAQ. Okay, uh, to answer common questions, and in the book we say fourteen months. But uh, when we actually wrote that statement, uh, we ran into some snags in the layout and things like this, and you know, running a proof with Amazon and all that kind of stuff. And by the time we got done, uh, it was a total of sixteen months. Mm-hmm. So, and and a lot of lot of work. Because I know talking to you, you've been working on this. Um, has it been like a little bit every day, at least certainly weekly, at least. Yeah, well, what we tell most people is it basically chewed up all but three weekends over the last uh, year and a half. Wow. Uh, It it was in in the longer weekends, you know. But, you know, when I say all but three, there was uh, one where we were sick sick on our backs with the flu Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like it for a day or two, but it messed up the weekend. And there were were a couple of things where there were some family obligations we had to kind of go to. But so I usually made up for some of that during the week after work but i at the time i had a very high powered job at a bank and uh the type i was doing similar type of crunching at the bank 
uh, at a very high level, and uh, so I was usually pretty fried when I came home. Mm-hmm. But I, I would do give me an example. If I was crunching a state uh, and I was doing it during the week, I did something really small, some some midwestern state that didn't have a lot of sightings. Because you're talking, give me an example. Say I sat down and did New York State the first time, and it, it took me uh, a weekend, uh, a four day weekend to do. Mm-hmm. It was well. It was almost close to five thousand records. California, I had to do over two weekends because it was fifteen thousand records. Whoa! Oh, yeah, actually, closer <laughs> to sixteen thousand. So Says fifteen thousand eight hundred thirty-five records. So it was it was pr- pretty crazy. And then there were other little tweaks we had to make here and there. But for the most part, um, uh, towards the end, as as I was compiling, I did all most of the other states, and I saved the top ten states sorted to last because mm-hmm. I knew they were going to a lot of time. That's kind of how it worked out. Mm-hmm. So the sources for the data, of course, there's MUFON, which we referenced, which is the largest investigative organization. Uh, the other large group is, is uh, or a, a large reporting center would be the National UFO Reporting Center. Were those your two main sources of, of uh, data? Yes, I, I was most familiar with those two. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, I, while I did have some people come to me later and tell me there were other databases, um, uh, I, I wasn't really familiar with them. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I do write a newspaper column and have been doing it for three years. So I'm in a, a National UFO Reporting Center and MUFON literally every week looking at things, you know. So I had a good sense for how they were laid out and everything. The goofy thing about it is, is National UFO Reporting Center and was about typically about 60% of the data, and MUFON was about 40%. Some states it was 70, 30, there was one state it was like 80, 20. And there were three, uh, MUFON being the smaller, there were three states that MUFON was the dominant one. Hmm. Okay, Texas was one of them, amazingly enough. And um, uh, so there, that, was, that was a key thing uh, to keep in mind, was that there's different ratios. In fact, with every state when we do the little format of the you know the state chart and then we start breaking things down we do have a little box towards the last page of each state's worth of stats and we have a breakdown that says okay new, uh, new fork was this mufon was that uh gave the number of, of the total number based on what you're seeing in the, in the report and then the percentages mm-hmm now we do a summary of those uh, we do a summary of those percentages in the front summary of the book yeah and I would argue that those are the biggies by far. So, I mean, I think it makes sense to focus on those two organizations the most because, uh, uh, yeah, by far they, they're, they've collected. And interesting enough, uh, New Fork's been uh, – the advantage they've had, they've been online longer than MUFON. Um, in fact, your book ranges from t- 2001 to 2015. I don't think uh, – you probably know exactly because you were working with the data. MUFON didn't – get their data online till what something like 20 2007 uh yeah it was like two, 2006 2007 time frame um they had a, a a bulletin board system collection going on uh uh in in the in the uh, late 90s but it wasn't uh it, it wasn't really online on the web until like you said around 2006 2007 time frame Mm-hmm. And they, they just did some major changes to it again, so it's, it, uh, they're constantly trying to upgrade it. The, the National UFO Reporting Center 
uh, one of the things that, that uh, was kind of nice there is just because it, it was all available online. Now, not the confidential stuff, not a layer down at the investigator level, but the public level, which, which is all we used. We only used the um, the actual uh, dates and years, that type of thing, the uh, uh, the states, uh, states, cities and state, and the um, the shapes. That's all we used. We didn't actually use we didn't use the actual sighting data. In fact, there was a quite, somebody at Mufon race to stink about that oh my god she did all this stuff without permission and and we explained that everything we did had been given to us at a public level and i didn't have deep access or anything like that and yeah. uh, that was all we were interested in it's funny how that happens because that happens to me too because i'll usually compile a yearly report of a high level overview of the stats of ufos for the year and there's always those people saying, where did you, where they're getting access that everybody else can't get. But no, I, I just use, actually, I use the monthly emails that come out where MUFON gives some stats. And uh, it's just public information. That's the beauty of New Fork, it, keeping it simple, that uh, it's a much easier job to cut and paste that information into an Excel than it is, even though... The MUFON database is very sophisticated and collects a, a lot of different things. It, it's much more difficult, actually, to access some of those numbers. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, I had some cooperation from them. Initially, I had a lot of pushback, and I was having a lot of trouble getting the, getting the data. And then finally, um, I got uh, I got some high-level people in MUFON talking to me. Linda sat down. Uh, she's an executive, and I guess she, she got on the phone and did some executive talk with them. And... Um, uh, 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 Powell, Roger Powell, mm-hmm. he shipped me. He shipped me a file. Now, what what a, the problem was? He the file he sent me did not have like the last. Eh, I'm going to say the last three or four months worth of 2015. So I had to physically manually go in to the the website and look up each state for a very narrow window of time. It was a little time consuming. It was one of those things I did every night after work before supper kind of thing. And then I got I caught it all up. Uh, if there's any holes in the data, it's because I had to go and gather the last quarter of 2015 that manual way. But the stuff that he shared with me, um, I, I I scrubbed uh, the stuff that they would be touchy about. I scrubbed that right out immediately and then um, started cleaning it up and uh, aligning that stuff so I could suck it into the same database that I had all the uh, all the uh, new fork data in mm-hmm so you talked about how there's over 3,000 counties in the United States does that mean are do you feel then uh, like your book you can drill down to that level and is there uh, a UFO sighting in every county I'm gonna say yes uh-huh. Now I just did an article in my columns. Yeah, I saw there that. Are, okay, there are only there's 300 counties that have only had one. They're, they're one what I call one hit wonders. They had one <laughs> UFO sighting in the 15 year window. Uh, a lot of them were in Texas because Texas has like 256 counties, and some of them are just out there, not much more than sagebrush. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, uh, that 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 kind of like how it shook out. Um, there, there are some now. I'm, there may have been some we missed. If you look at a particular state during that period of time, you'll see, particularly some counties, you'll see maybe only one or two sightings in the 15 years as you go across. In the book, we've got uh, 2001 in rows, vertical rows, 2001 through 2015, and then the, the counties are going down the side. So you might look at uh, such and such county, 
and maybe only see one or two or three sightings scattered across the 15 years. You know, so like I said, everybody, I, I did screen it all at one point to see if anybody didn't have one. And that was one of the points that Linda brought up. Every single county that we measured had at least one. Wow. Yeah, and that was a really creative idea to write a story about where are there not UFOs being reported. Yeah, um, my boss gave it that title. I didn't even know what to call it, but he's where, t- where UFOs are scarce, you know. Uh-huh. And it, it was uh, it was interesting. It was a total of 300 counties. The top 10 were like like listed in the county, and or listed in the article. And uh, it, it's it, there's a couple more interesting ones where I'm going to drill down and look at the stuff. You know what happened? That article that there was a, about two weeks ago. There was this huge amount of press out on the West Coast. Yeah, because I was going to go Two there. stories broke. Washington State, I had given them uh, the, the um, Washington, um, oh, Seattle Post Intelligencer, they call it Seattle PI. I had pitched the story to them, and they liked it. So they got uh, Jake Ellison, who was a stringer for them, to write the story. And he had it all done a good week and a half, two weeks before we physically released the book. And we were still doing a proof thing with um, Amazon at the time. So uh, they decided to sit on it until the actual book was available so they could give a link out to the Amazon site. And then what I didn't know was during the course of the interview, he asked me, well, what's the top state? And I said, it was California. And he took a little bit of information about California, and he turned around and did a similar article, except more tuned to California, and gave it to SF Gate, which is the uh, San Francisco Chronicles online edition. Well, about halfway in the middle of the afternoon, the day the article came out, I get this phone call from a producer at KBC, uh, 790 Talk Radio out there in L.A. He says, yeah, can we have you on this afternoon? I said, sure, why? He says, uh, a story came out in San Francisco Gate, and uh, social media has gone is on fire. Everybody's talking about it. California's number one, you know. <laughs> And that was that's how all that went down. It was amazing. Uh-huh. That's really funny. Now, with California being number one, is it more of an issue of population, do you feel? Or do you feel that uh, perhaps even per capita there are more um, sightings per person out there? I would say there are. Hmm. Um, we did a, In the book, we did a thing about – I did a, a, an analysis based on – population versus amount of sightings within like the top 10 states mm-hmm. and uh while there's a very large population out there you do uh, the, I, I have two overlapping charts and you can see that the populations for the top 10 states all sit there in the uh, in this one little range but california's numbers are through the roof I, i'll give you an example California's 15,835 sightings. Okay, that is twice Florida and Texas. Hmm. Florida was 7,787, 7, and Texas went, I think, 7,058, something like that. And so it's double. At that point, when you get to the, uh, the rest of the top 10 states, California is three times what all the rest of those states are. Hmm. Now, and and their populations are still pretty significant. New York mm-hmm. State, hell, we're we're almost twenty million here, so uh, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, having been in this and written about it for a while, uh, 
what are your thoughts as to why that is the case? Why is what the case? That uh, California has so many sightings compared to elsewhere. Well, that's <laughs> that's what bothered me for a little bit, particularly Southern California. Okay, I did a little bit of research here, and what I had to do was I had to uh, I, I went out, and this is about mm, about a week ago, and I did this for just a couple of states. I wanted to see what the deal was. And I determined that there were, uh, you know how they talk about that 37th parallel, uh-huh. you know, uh, uh, 37 degrees latitude? Well, I, I, I managed to go out and get uh, latitude information for the cities in these different states. Okay? And I took out, at the time, to make things easier, I only put it in the top 10 states, and I only did it for the 30, uh, 37th, uh, 37 degrees, you know, and everything within 37 degrees. And California had a significant number of its counties were in the 37-degree thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I, again, i got to qualify this. Correlation does not mean causality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's that's coming from Linda, who, who who always tells me this. Now, one other thing you should know: what surprised me is L.A. Now, L.A. by itself was thirty-two hundred twelve, three thousand two hundred twelve sightings in that fifteen-year window. It was more than forty individual states by itself. Okay, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Now. I didn't know this this little fact. I was watching one of these, uh, you know, uh, one of these, you know, you know. There's a ton of channels and higher channels that are running all kinds of UFO documentaries. Okay, mm-hmm. and I saw this one I had never seen before, and they indicated that LA had been seeing UFOs since before we had manned flight. They had squadrons of these things being seen in the 1880s, 1890s. Okay. And at the turn of the uh, at the turn of the 20th century, so they that the LA Basin area has been a hotbed for it for well over 100 years. Mm-hmm. So that surprised me, and I said, I went out and did a little bit of research, and oh yeah, that's the deal. So when when I was talking to KABC, I pointed that fact out, and you'd be surprised how many people there in LA didn't know this. Hmm. You know, Interesting. I've also found it, and I wonder if your numbers uh, demonstrated this as well, which may explain some of the Southern California uh, part of it uh, more specifically, is that uh, per person, it seems like uh, uh, the Southwest itself, uh, the Southwest states have a lot of, uh, are really high on the list. For example, Arizona and Colorado have always been on really high on my list uh as far as UFOs per person, uh, so it's, it kind of seems like the Southwest United States is is uh, a hot spot kind of area. Is that do your numbers show that you think? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the real number here in a moment. Yeah, just mm-hmm. let me peel. I have a copy of the book here in front of me. All right, um, California, of course, was number one. Arizona is number seven in the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as we dig down a little deeper, let me go here. Colorado's number twelve. So yeah, this is this is a big deal. 
Okay, so out of 50 states, Colorado ranks number 12, and of course Arizona ranks number seven. And um, there was there's there's something interesting about both those states. Maricopa County, there in Arizona, uh, is number two <coughs> to Los Angeles County. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And just so people know, that is like the the most populous county here. That's the Phoenix area. Um, that's where I'm at right now. Right. Should I be worried? And, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> give you an example. Uh, the um, uh, Maricopa County had uh, 25, 20, uh, 2,523 for the 15 year sample period, mm-hmm. and as compared to 3,032. Uh, 12 for for LA. That's a big deal. They're number two in the country. And that was the weird thing. I was trying to pitch it to the newspaper down there. You guys are like number two in the country just on your own. Mm -hmm. And you're ahead of like 35 states. They weren't interested. (laughs) Which is funny. Unless it's tied to, and maybe I can plug, I'm going to be doing a ton of media this week and next week uh, in the local media because of a new movie about it's very loosely based. It's a horror movie, but the, the, they're basing it off the Phoenix Lights. And if you could, that's the news here loves the Phoenix Lights UFO phenomena. And so if you mention Phoenix Lights, then they get excited. That's, that's a, for you as a clue how I might help you get in. But uh, I'll mention that your book and I'll mention that when I do these interviews because this movie is coming out. So they all want to do interviews about the Phoenix Lights. So, um, that's that's one of the things they love the Phoenix Lights out here. Yeah, uh, well, when I when I reached out to uh, a Fox station there, I think it was Fox Ten, mm-hmm. and I reached out to um, the Arizona Republic. I my pitch was, hey, and this was like three weeks ahead of the anniversary. I said, hey, you've got the twentieth thir- uh, anniversary of Phoenix Lights coming up. How would you like some current stats? You know, uh, mind blowing stats. And uh, the producer at Fox 10 kept telling him, yeah, 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 I want to use it. And then by the time they got around to talking to me, they already had, they were already four, four and a half minutes worth of, uh, of, of uh, news story, and they decided not to use any of it, you know? yeah. which is a darn shame. Because, you know, I, I love hearing about things that happened 20 years ago and everything, but what's happening now? I'm sorry, I'm in the news business. That's old news. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, and usually that's what the news wants, is what's happening now, what's happening now. But uh, I don't know. People, as you know, in this field, the media can be really weird. You never know what's really going to get them excited uh, or motivated to do something serious about the topic. Um, Have you had other successes, though? I mean, California went crazy, Uh, like you said, tons and tons and tons of stories on your book and about how you found California to be number one. I know I've seen a few others, though, uh, uh, media outlets who have also kind of picked up and wanted to do stats in their areas as well. Well, actually, most of them are just reprinting variants of the of the story, the California story, because uh, the California story mentioned the top ten states. Uh-huh. None of them have actually reached out to me. Now, that, that said... Um, I'll say, uh, I'll say it this way. Uh, the Gannett people, who own USA Today and a whole bunch of other regional newspapers, 
Um, I originally pitched them back around oh, three weeks before Phoenix Lights as well. I, and there was, I was a couple of weeks out from releasing our book, so I was out pitching to people, and uh, they blew me off. They, they, they were polite about it, but they said, no, not now. And then uh, after that stuff went in California, suddenly they've taken an interest. Uh, same thing with a, uh, a news outfit in the New York City area, for, because I went to them and pitched Long Island, and they were a Long Island news outlet. And because the Long Island, uh, Suffolk County, Long Island, is number one in New York State. Now, in the UFO community, you'll hear everybody talk, oh, Pine Bush, New York, you know, that's where the capital of UFOs are. There's, I'm going to tell you the truth. Five other counties have far more UFO sightings than Pine Bush does. Really? Okay. That's fascinating. Yes. Yeah. That's their hype. You know, well, they got a festival. They got to hype it up. But, and, well, it's a um, bubble burster, unfortunately. But it's it's kind of an anecdotal since they're known for it. I guess they look more and then they see stuff and it makes news. But it's all about the numbers. Yeah, well, I, t- I wrote an article of, about, well, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had already done the New York State numbers. And I said, you know, if we're ever going to have a New York State conference, UFO conference, it ought to be done in Suffolk County, Long Island, because that is the that is the hot spot for New wow. York State. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where it went. But it's there's been amazing numbers here, amazing stats. I, I uh, one point we did in our analysis, uh, we didn't have an easy way to break this down into regions of the United States, so we use standard stuff from uh, the census department we use census department maps census department regions and divisions mm-hmm. it made sense in fact all the government agencies use that so we figured let's do that too <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's how we managed to break it down so uh it's a really really it's an eight and a half eleven by book and in fact when i gave my mother her copy uh she looked at this thing and says my god this is a lethal weapon <laughs> <laughs> It's a thick book. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about surprises? Were there some surprises you came across uh, looking at the numbers? Yeah, okay. I'll give you one right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, people come to me and say, oh, uh, UFOs, they all got to be up in Alaska. No. <laughs> uh, UFOs, they all got to be in the desert. Well, which which part of the desert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. If you're in Phoenix, you're, uh, yeah, absolutely, it's through the roof. But there's other places, no, it's not there. Uh, well, what about the nation's capital, Washington, D.C.? Bottom of the freaking list. Yeah. There was not much there. But, okay, what you have to do is remember, Washington is a business. It's only a 20-square-mile area, mm-hmm. 20 by right. 20. Um, everybody lives in Maryland and Virginia. In mm-hmm. Delaware, okay, we call it Delmarva, okay, and uh, so everybody just lives around it. So most of the sightings we think that were probably associated with uh, Washington D.C. probably were reported in the in the Delaware, um, uh, Maryland, Virginia bedroom communities. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, another surprise. Um, I did a posting in the UFO groups um, over the weekend where I had a screenshot from a 1949 declassified CIA document that was from the Office of Scientific Investigation where Dr. So-and-so and and Dr. So-and-so were discussing this. And one of the bullet points was 
has anybody noticed that there seems to be a seasonal pattern? And he had kind of a little, hmm. little pattern, a little, little chart down there with 25 or 30 sighting uh, dots going across it. And he had a little question at the bottom of the page, you know, what is this, some kind of summer madness or something? You know, something to that effect. This is in 1949. We're talking 68 years ago. All right. Well, I didn't see it. I had seen this pattern in New York State. Okay, it's kind of low and quiescent, you know, five, ten sightings, January, February, March, April, it ticks up just a tiny bit. May, it starts ticking up. June, July, and August, it goes through the rough. Big hump there, okay? Mm -hmm. July and August being the high season. And it starts ticking back down again. It levels off when you get out around November and December to the same kind of numbers that January has. Well, we thought that that was what the pattern was. And everybody's common logic, what I'm going to call common horse sense logic, says, well, it's summertime. People, more people are out. In the summertime, it's nice weather. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What if I told you it was latitude dependent? That'd be weird. I didn't know this. Linda was laying, put, putting the thing together, and at one point she said she'd already done about 20 of the states. And she says, have you noticed this pattern? Because at the end of the state books, I did the UFOs by month. Mm-hmm. A goofy little chart. I did them by month. And a lot of people, a couple of people I knew said, why are you even bothering listing them by month? You no, know? that's great. I love that. And and you did that for every state? Every state. Because I think I would love to see Arizona. It might be the opposite because everybody's inside uh, in the summer, actually, in Arizona, because we're running, we're hiding from the heat like cockroaches. You told me that. You told me that. Yeah. But there's there's one other goofy thing about the whole thing. Uh-huh. All right. If you're up in the States, kind of like Maine, which is kind of parallel to a lot of Canadian co- countries, the, the sightings pick up around August and trail off slowly in the fall. Okay, get a little further down to New England and down to about like New York State, Pennsylvania, go across to Michigan, that type of thing, and you got your little hump in the middle there, uh, June, July, August, some degree September. Okay, nice big peak. You get down around Virginia and West Virginia, that bump in the middle starts flattening, hmm. starts coming down. When you get into the deep south and southwest states, the the sightings per month are statistically flat. They're not physically flat, but they're statistically flat. Now, that lends more weight to the fact that the weather's nicer down there. Yeah. Okay? Year-round. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, Arizona's like that. Florida's like that. Texas is like that. Southern California's like that. Hmm. So it, <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting, though, but at least... You're confirming by numbers that you know the nicer the weather, the the more consistent, uh, the more consistent the weather, the more uh, consistent the UFO sightings. Okay, now the only two places that completely falls apart: mm-hmm. Alaska and Hawaii. Hmm. Alaska has all their high sightings through the winter months. November, December, January, February, March, and it starts coming down and gets down to around April. Those numbers are falling. And during the uh, June, July, August time frame, it, it bottoms out. Hmm. I wonder if there's a correlation with uh, daylight 
because uh, they have the longer days. That's not, what we figure. Uh-huh. Well, most people see things. They see them typically at night, you yeah. know. And, and and what do they got at that time? At that that time of the season, white nights. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what that's the only correlation we could make sense of was. Uh, they see more UFOs because it's dark all the time uh, during the winter months, but during when the summer months come, it's daylight all the time. There's nothing to see. Hmm. Yeah. Or very little. Uh-huh. And then Hawaii? Hawaii. Well, Hawaii has these quarterly bumps. Huh. And the, I'm, Weird. I'm, 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 still, I'm checking it out with um, with the travel agencies. Our first guess is that these are periods for people traveling to Hawaii quarterly. Hmm, interesting. You know, uh, for everything from weddings to vacations or something like that. There, there must be what they call hot seat travel seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what we and uh, that's what we think the deal is. It's like Florida to some degree. Florida, uh, all the snowbirds go down to Florida in the winter time. Winter mm-hmm. time, you know. And so we see a little bit of a bump there, you know, for the winter months. And uh, so th- that's what we think might be the deal. Who knows for sure? Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, though. Quarterly uh, bumps. Yeah, it's wild. It's mm-hmm. wild. And it's all over the place. But then again, it might just be an artifact of reporting. Um, the, uh, the people who are reporting uh, are seeing things. They're probably visiting and uh, this is the first time maybe they, they live in a big city or something like this. This is the first time they've actually been out on a nice temperate night and that does, in a place that doesn't have a huge amount of light pollution. Mm-hmm. That's what we think. And uh, so we're not 100% sure what the numbers really should be for Hawaii. But everything that we had from both databases has this, quarterly, has this up and down quarterly bump type thing going on. Hmm. And then there's one last really weird surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, two things we noticed with the monthlies, and I, I, I did a, a summary of everything. February, nationwide, is the lowest sighting month in the entire country. Interesting. It is lower, it is lower by about 3% <laughs> than any other, any other month, at least 3 to 5%. Okay, minimum. And... The other thing we noticed was... That's because everybody's at our conference. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, amazingly enough, even for being out in the desert like it is, most of us are not outside looking at the sky, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. We're we're either inside or we're engrossed in discussing UFOs with each other. You bet. You bet. Now, the other last one that we had that was really an eye-opener was, in fact, I wrote it up in the book when I was discussing the, the seasonal pattern in my analysis. Uh-huh. I wrote up one of the last things. I, I could not let it go. I said we had to talk about New Mexico. New Mexico has the characteristic, statistically flat uh, sightings for all the months, mm-hmm. except for September. September spikes. Huh. September. Remember, this yeah, and, and and I literally say in the book, if anybody knows what's going on in September, will they please let me know? Have you heard I mean, anything? Was, no, no, I haven't heard anything yet. 
But there, there, there aren't that many copies of your book out there. There's probably 50, 50 or 100 copies of the book out there in circulation right now. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'll wait for somebody to come back and tell me. But it, it was like uh, the numbers were like uh, three, four times the rest of that flat flatness in sightings. Wow, that is really strange. That's really interesting. So hopefully maybe some listeners will have some insight as to what's going on in New Mexico in September. Now, I've spent quite a bit of time out there. My mom lived out there. Wait a minute. Isn't that? That's Roswell State, isn't it? That is Roswell State. But Roswell, the event event itself was in July. The convention for it is in July. Yeah, late June, early July. So... So, yeah, what the heck, huh? Um, That threw us a curve. That really threw us a curve. Yeah, that is a weird one. September. Yeah, I can't think of anything, and I I love New Mexico. That's one of my states. I mean, um, because like I said, my mom lived there, and I would go out there a lot. Uh, So Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona are kind of my, and then California are my states of residence that I visit or have family in that uh, I love the most. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I love New Mexico, and, and I do too. Uh, I've had I had a wonderful time. The couple of times I went out there, I spent like a, about three weeks out there once. Well, okay, well, let me let me qualify that. Okay, the, the average monthly thing was sitting around a hundred sightings a month. Okay, mm-hmm. and it goes up to, that for that one month, it goes up, and for October, it's slightly elevated. It goes up to almost two hundred sightings per month. It's like a hundred ninety wow. sightings. Huh. And then uh, so October is uh, October is 138, but the rest of them are all sitting around 100, 120. Mm-hmm. And it just blew me away. Now, what I've been tempted to do uh, when I get a, a little bit of time, I'm thinking about putting a map of uh, New Mexico up on the wall and, again, go into the county charts and see if there's a dominant county uh, or a cluster of counties where this stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. That's that's the next piece of exploration, but I couldn't do all this. I've had a lot of people say, "Well, why didn't you do more research?" And I said, "It took me, you know, almost eighteen months to, <laughs> yeah. to compile the data, you know." And then that's why we made this for other people. We made this for scientific research. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made this for for people who are interested in it, people who are in, uh, people who are uh, MUFON investigators or any kind of investigators out there, armchair investigators. Me, hey, I'm an armchair investigator. Computers, libraries is where I do my work. I do not march around in far- farmer's fields with cow patties, ticks, and barbed wire. <laughs> and, you know, that's what this great this book is great for. And, and it's one of the things that I think everybody in this field, uh, serious researchers, uh, always feel uh, that is lacking is enough statistical uh, research because we have the data but it takes so much and there's not a lot of people going through and putting to get the, the data like you are because it is so uh, uh, laborious. It's a, it takes a lot of work. Um, so that's what's great about what you've done because as soon as I get my copy, which I'm very excited for, uh, I'll be referencing that probably on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, the the two guys who um, I know you know Dr. Gordon Spear. He comes to uh, IUFOC religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a retired astronomer from Sonoma University. Him and Rich Hoffman, Alabama uh, chief investigator, uh, they did the foreword for the book. Mm, great. And the thing that they both 
were excited about, particularly Dr. Spear, is somebody finally did big data crunching. Mm-hmm. Even Project Blue Book only had 12,000 sightings to work from. We had 100, and, okay, here's the big number for your listeners. A hundred and tw- the, the press from that California article said over 120,000. The real number is 121,036. Mm-hmm. And for that 15 year window. And um, the number is increasing, and we've allowed, we've made certain adjustments, we've watched uh, certain things. There are some artifacts of reporting where certain things happen, like on the MUFON stuff. Around 2008, somebody did a, a Discovery Channel. Somebody did a documentary about MUFON, and their numbers jumped. And then you look at New Fork; it, it, it goes along on trend, but uh, new, uh, MUFON jumps up about 50 right. percent, and it levels out into a trend. You know, and uh, so there are. And then there's an artifact of reporting with 2012. Everybody was overly conscious with the end of the Mayan calendar and all this kind of stuff. There was a high level of awareness, and there was an astronomical jump that year nationwide. The thing is, is that if you look at, anybody who ever looks at um, the UFO numbers from year to year, there's like about a six, seven-year humpy cycle. They kind of hump along like little waves on the ocean. And if you look carefully at the chart, you'll see that that those those humps kind of even as as it's going up in intensity, uh, except for that one year it seems to be spiking. But if you kind of draw that curve right through that line, uh, it, you see it's starting to go into a downward hump. So you know everything seems to be consistent. One of the things somebody was bugging me about here recently, and this is one of the skeptics. He said, "Well, it's all crack pops and nuts," he says to me. Hmm. And uh, this is a guy I knew working for the bank. I have since retired. I retired on Valentine's Day. Mm, congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, in fact, that my, my spouse, Linda, made a very big point of making that a um, – she literally called me up at work on, on uh, Valentine's Day and said, I am giving you a Valentine's Day present, and it is take this, car, take this job and shove it card. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. And about an hour later, I literally put my laptop on my boss's desk, took my badge off, and said, I've had enough. Bye. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but the deal is, um, oh, what was I saying before I talked? I went off that uh, line. Uh, oh, the kooks and nuts thing, right? Yeah. I, I, what get, a I get this a lot. Uh, uh, I had a TV station here lo- locally talking to me last week, okay? Oh, how do we know these numbers are credible and they're not all kooks and nuts? That's literally the quote. Well, what we found wow. going through the records, we found that it was barely 2%, okay, for one. Mm-hmm. Most people just want to get it off their chest. You know, they, they just want to get it off their chest. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell that you can see, you can hear the sincerity in, what they're, in their, what they're saying, how they write it up, okay? And the other thing was, I pointed, oh, I don't even want to say this. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be good. The, this is going to be juicy if you're trying to figure well, out how to the, work. The, the bottom line is is that it's not all kooks and nuts. It's very sincere people. So one of the arguments we made in the book, in fact, we have a chapter in the book called 120, uh, 121,036 Eyewitness Reports. And it takes that line to one of your speakers at IUFOC had a couple of years ago that said, uh, except for UFOs, unless you have forensics evidence, 
eyewitness testimony can get you convicted in every court in this country, mm-hmm. you know? So why doesn't it apply here? You know, and that's where we kind of made our little statement about disclosure. But uh, this is the thing that we saw consistently is most people were very, uh, we, most people were very sincere. The people I have met doing a columnist where I've had families invite me over to a, uh, I don't do this a lot, but every now and then I'll get invited to a backyard barbecue. Mm-hmm. And I'll go over there and I'll introduce myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to meet Uncle Uncle Ralph or Aunt Mabel. She saw a UFO. Yeah. So you sit down with them and they look like combat veterans when you talk to them. If they really are telling you the truth, you can see it in their eyes. They are living it again. Right. And I see, I've seen this time and time and time again. <laughs> and this is what I tell these guys at these TV stations are being all callous about this. And I said, look, everybody I talk to is giving a sincere report, and there's no place to report this stuff. The Air Force hasn't been doing it since 68. The no- local newspaper, I talk to them, they say they get seven reports a week, but they blow everybody off as a nut. Mm-hmm. The cops... They write it down on the on the blotter, but unless it's a risk to health and safety, they don't pay any attention. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't check these things out. <laughs> so we and oh, so, oh, another reason we did this for 2001 to 2015. Remember in 2001 after 9/11, they said report what you see. Mm-hmm. So that's we we took that tone in here too. Hey, we were asked to report what we see. Well, this is what 121,000 people reported. Right. Yeah, I mean, when I became a MUFON investigator, my first uh, uh, case was a security guard who was just back from uh, the Middle East, uh, and he was in that mindset, report what you see. Very, very credible witness. In fact, all of the cases I got that where I spoke to people, the people were very credible and very normal. They, they weren't kooks and weirdos. There was a a reporter asked me, uh, the guy from the Seattle PI asked me, he says, "Um, who's the most common person to report these things? And I said, well, I said, from my observation, and after talking to some MUFON investigators, uh, people taking the dog for a walk before (laughs) bedtime, people taking going out for a smoke and taking the dog for a walk, or just people (laughs) going out on the back porch for a smoke. Yeah, exactly. and that was the most common thing we saw through the whole database mm-hmm. was this constant, this continuous uh, flavor of story, and yeah. then uh, motorists, and then everything else. You know, so uh, this has been an eye-opening—I don't want to call it a spiritual experience—but it has been a rush to do these. And it'd be so many. Uh, so there were so many times I would get done with the state and. And when I was sure the data was clean enough to do a table on it, I'd crank the, pay, the, the table program to see what it looked like. You know, I couldn't wait. It was like a kid on Christmas morning. You know, I got to see what the state has. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, now that we're we're getting kind of the out of time, but uh, with 120,000 or so sightings, uh, is it your feeling that that represents 120,000 or so uh, people? Or more. Well, okay. Let's let's use uh, uh, Stanton Friedman's formula: mm-hmm. one in ten reports. Yeah. And I did a chapter like this in the book, uh-huh. and I said, while there are other people who say that number might be bigger or whatever, uh, I went with his: uh, one in ten people report what they see. So we said 
huh, 121,000 uh, times 10, that's 1.2 million. And I cranked it back and said, you know, investigators tell me that this stuff is about 6 or 7%. And we started looking at the numbers. We eliminated the obvious shapes that could easily be military craft, you know, triangles, blimps, that kind of thing. And guess what? That 121,000 ends up being about 6.5% of the 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. So we look at the thing and says, you know, there's a lot more out there. It's a difference of, hey, there's 8,000 sightings a year. Uh, if you use the, the Friedman factor, as we call it, uh, there's mm-hmm. 80,000. Uh, yeah. out there a year. Well, and I mean, even uh, for just a number of people reporting, I I look at reports every day uh, and, you know, uh, you've probably seen this as well. Many of the reports say me and my mom were outside, you know, me and my wife or me and my kids. Uh, so a lot, although there's only one report, there are often, you know, two or three witnesses uh, associated with that report. And uh, to me, I think just it, it at least signifies a or, or shows that there's a social um, or cultural significance to hundreds of thousands of people, you know. Well, this is the thing, other thing I was going to tell you about the mm-hmm. family reunion. I've observed that families are handing down these UFO sightings hmm. like family heirlooms. Oh, yeah, interesting. Treasured stories. I did I did a, a two stories like this, uh, uh, one that was set back in the 30s and one that was set back in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. And uh, both these little old ladies came to me and sat down and had a cup of coffee with me and told me these amazing stories. And... Uh, and of of some uh, relative of theirs, they had this sighting, and in great detail. And I said, "Well, how do you know so much detail about it?" He says, "Oh, everybody in our family knows this story." Hmm. So th- there's this this whole family heirloom thing, and it's amazing when you hear people talking about these things. That is really interesting. That's uh, that's that's kind of a modern kind of a folklore type of thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, there's tons more to tell. Maybe I can come to, to, come to the next IUOC and give some really amazing slides. Yeah, that would be really interesting. So uh, send us some more info on that. Otherwise, everybody can get the book at Amazon. Is that the best place to go? Yes. The name of the book is the U, it's a UFO Sightings Desk Reference. Uh, and then United States of America, 2001-2015. Uh, and uh, if you Google it, believe me, it will come right to the top of Googling. Uh, and uh, uh, you can order it from them, and uh, uh, they'll have it to you within 72 hours, typically. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to the show again. Um, I'll definitely rely on you uh, when... Uh, you know, as time goes on, and I'm sure this data will reveal more and more, and I'm sure you'll see more and more in this data as time goes on. You did mention, actually, what you're working on your next project, and that is an international version of this book. Is that correct? Yes, I've captured that data. 
and uh, it's not as clean. Uh, mm. The, the uh, it, it doesn't actually have a good country feel. It was put in the same field as the city, so I literally had to write some uh, some scripting code to separate that out and build a new column. And uh, we're we're in the process of cleaning that up right now. It's uh, it's time consuming, and we've been busy trying to get this book launched and everything. But I am working on a uh, I'm working on two. I'm working on the international. And we're working on doing a variant of the same book, but do it where we literally can break. It's called the Shapes Manual, and you can literally be reports for individual counties and their shapes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it should be fun. Yeah, that will be terribly interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, but thank you so much for putting this data together because it is very, very important stuff. And, you know, it's the type of stuff that... Some of us researchers, like I'm good friends with some Robert Powell and Richard Hoffman, some of the people you mentioned, and, uh, you know, we just eat up and love this stuff. So this is really exciting. Thank you very much. Have me on again. All right, will do. Thank you so much to Cheryl Costa for joining us once again on the show. She is great. She's always a lot of fun. She's so full of energy and so positive. I love speaking with her. Um She's she's inspiring. She gets me excited about stuff again all the time. So uh, it's always just fun to talk with her, let alone about this wonderful new book that she has. So remember, that is the UFO Sightings Desk Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2015. Um, it's one of those types of things where it looks like what it is, you know, kind of a desk reference where something for you to look at, um, it's going to go right next to my governments and UFOs. Uh, that's something that you guys got to look up if you haven't gotten it. Of course, that was done by uh, a bunch of authors, um, and it has government documents in it. So I'm going to have both of these together to get all of the data I need at my fingertips. So like Cheryl Costa said, go to Amazon. And you can look up UFO sightings desk reference and it will pop up. I think even if you just go to Google, I went to Google and put Cheryl Costa Amazon and it post it popped up as well. So um, luckily, that's how we find stuff now. We go to Google and we search. I mean, URLs are even like out the door. Nobody cares about UFO.com or something. They're just going to go Google and that's how they will find it. If you Google... Um, open Minds UFO News or something like that. You're going to find us or Open Minds UFO. You'll find us and you'll find the news that Martin and I talked about at the top of the show. And then you'll also find a link when you go to this radio show at our webpage uh, to the Amazon page. If for some reason you need help finding that, I'm sure you're all going to be fine on your own. But, uh, yeah, and don't forget to continue to check our daily headlines because we post UFO headlines every day except for when I'm sick. And um, in those headlines, usually on Mondays, you'll see the story Cheryl posted on Friday. And that includes uh, this Monday, which is today. You can go in the headlines, and I think the very first story is Cheryl's uh, story for this week about flying saucers. So... Thank you to Cheryl for being on the show and for everything that she does. Be sure and follow her at Syracuse New Times and get her new desk reference. 
Also, thank you to Martin Willis for helping us at the beginning of the show with the UFO news. And don't forget what I mentioned at the top of the show, which is that Fife Symington interview that we posted uh, last week. I think it was Monday of last week, the only day I was in the office. I was in the office Monday and Friday. Um, But anyway, go check out that video. It's free on YouTube. You can find it at uh, openminds.tv or you can find it on our YouTube channel, which is Open Minds TV on YouTube. Um, You could probably even just look up Five Symington and find it on YouTube since it's probably the latest video of Symington up there. But yeah, go check that out. And thank you so much. I cannot thank James Fox enough. First of all, I can't thank him for his excellent documentaries, um, uh, Out of the Blue, and I Know What I Saw. If you haven't seen those, go watch those. You can find those online now, too. You can find them on YouTube and all kinds of places. Uh, Many people would agree, and I hear this often, that those are the best UFO documentaries you can find out there. Pretty high praise. So go check those out. And thank you so much to James Fox for coming to the UFO Congress. He's a great speaker. He moderated a panel on the Phoenix Lights, and he did a talk, a talk of which we have up on the website. He brought witnesses from the Phoenix Lights who uh, others haven't heard, you know, or you probably haven't heard often. uh, And they saw this thing go right overhead so that you can uh, see their discussion with him. But that's up on our video on demand. So if you go to the uh, video portal, from openminds.tv, you'll find that. Also on our video on demand portal, we have the new Richard Dolan video up. So we just posted that like yesterday or something. So I haven't even really told people much about that. So I'll be sending some information out about that. So and and as I've told you guys before, it's five dollars a month for the video portal. We don't charge for this show. We don't charge for the news we post every day. We don't charge for practically nothing. So if you go to our video portal and subscribe, first of all, we're going to be very thankful. Second of all, it's going to help fund us and help us keep rolling. So um, that's always a good thing. Hopefully you enjoy what we do. And uh, I do. And I enjoy that you enjoy it as well. And so I want you to keep going and I want us to keep going. So please, uh, you know, that would be really great if you could subscribe to the video portal. And it's not like it's just a donation and you're not going to get nothing for it. In fact, you're going to have access to hundreds of videos uh, from speakers uh, like some of the people we've talked about. Got multiple Richard Dolan on there. We've got... um, you know, Bob Lazar, nobody else has got Bob Lazar. We got Bob Lazar on there. We've got several from George Knapp. We've got several um, from Charles Halt, who we talked about, the witness at the Rendlesham Forest. So, um, and many, many, many others. I'm just, uh, I, you know, some really good stuff. So go check it out. But enough selling stuff to you guys and uh, more thanking you for all the cool stuff you do. But before I thank you, I'm going to thank someone else, Caleb Hanks, for the excellent music that he's provided for the open and close of the show. And now it's your turn. Thank you for patiently waiting because I know you probably sit up on this part and he's like, hey, hey, they're going to thank us. He's going to thank me. He's going to talk about how great I am. Because I do like to talk about how great you guys are because my listeners are everything when it comes to this show. And uh, I do have some of the best listeners. Some of my favorite people in the UFO field are listeners to my show. How cool is that? Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, 
And I apologize for missing last week, for being sick and stuff. Well, I shouldn't apologize for being sick. That's not like it's my fault. But uh, I don't know. That's what you do, right? You apologize when people get mad at you for not doing what you want them to do. And that appeases them. So I hope you're appeased by my apology. And uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. And I hope you join us next week for another Until then, adios muchachos.